Hi, thanks for joining us for this episode of the Retirement Readiness Podcast. Uh, per usual, I've got my co-host Katie Umblin with me, uh, Head of Marketing here at Prairie View. Uh, welcome, Katie. Thank you. Uh, so Katie and I are sitting here at our friend Smith Crossing uh, in Orland Park, and we want to really talk about what are uh, the things that you should think about when it comes to paying for kind of later in life uh, lifestyles. And so, uh, Kate, this isn't usually a really super fun topic to talk about, uh, <laughs> but we'll try to keep it light and, and fun. Well, I'll just bit. be here for the commentary. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so you know, the last episode we talked a little bit about what does it look like when uh, clients transition into kind of out of their normal, I lived in this house my entire life, uh, and now I'm going into a different type of a lifestyle. And, and really the question that comes up is, how do I pay for it? Um, now, I don't know if you can remember, so when, when we were kids, uh, you know, you spent a lot of time, more, more time than I did, uh, in an assisted living facility, right? Uh, yeah, with grandma. Yeah. And so tell me a little bit about, like, what's your memory of that? How did that, what was that like for her? Sure. So it took us a while to find somewhere that she felt at home and felt comfortable with. Um, she kind of had that transition time from home. She found broke her hip and then was kind of in a rehab facility. Um, that kind of felt too nursing home for the stage of life she was in, so it didn't really feel like home for her. Um, and then we found, eventually found her, her home um, at an assisted living facility. Um, it looked different from start to finish. At the beginning, she was leaving a lot. Um, we would come pick her up, we'd take her to church, um, we'd go shopping, um, and then by the end, she was staying home more and more. Um, so it was, it evolved with her. Um, but also she was in the same room the whole time, so it was kind of nice that she didn't, she, it evolved, but she didn't have to move around. Yeah. Well, in, uh, in some of that story too, you know, the things that uh, a lot of times we talk with our clients about are when, if, if we're having a conversation of going into some sort of a, whether it's assisted living or independent living, those types of things, uh, but moving out of their, their home, a lot of times as they get older, they get nervous about that and they start thinking, you know, what's that going to really mean? And it's funny how that paradigm shifts because if we had a conversation with them when they were 50 and said, okay, you're gonna, you can go somewhere where all of your meals will be prepped for you, they'll clean your rooms, uh, they'll have, they'll take you on excursions, they'll plan trips with you. It sounds like a vacation. It is. It's like, uh, yeah, they'll have like happy hour and uh, all of a sudden it sounds like a cruise, right? right? And you're signing up for it and but people get nervous about that. And what I think a lot about uh, with grandma during that transition, uh, is, I don't know if you remember, but she kind of had a couple of different stops, right? So we, we she had sold her home uh, and then moved in with mom and dad and actually had her whole, like, own separate wing on the house. And uh, our grandma was the type that was extremely busy. Uh, never, like, once a week she'd wash her car and then wipe up the garage floor to make sure it was clean. Uh, she edged her sidewalk with a butcher knife so they got it perfect instead of the, the uh, gas edger. But then when she moved in with mom and dad, she, who used to come and do things for mom, all of a sudden had mom doing stuff for her, mm -hmm. and it just really didn't work out real well. We thought it was the perfect setup, but really she kind of declined, and that's when we started looking for... Well, it's the same thing we used to, as her grandkids would go, she would watch us, and then when she moved in with us, I was going to help her put her pajamas on at night. Yep. I, so it's just such a exact, exact opposite Of what shift. she, yeah, exactly. And, uh, and so luckily, I, I think about it frequently, I remember when she had moved in uh, to the assisted living facility, right before that, uh, with the way that she kind of wasn't doing as well, 
I know that our dad and I had talked and we did not expect her to have a really long life because mm -hmm. she had been, if that trajectory had continued, it would not have really uh, gone well. Well, and often you hear, first she, you fall and break your hip, then you're in the hospital, and then when you're in the hospital, you get pneumonia. Yeah. Or, you know, it can, yep. it can progress pretty progress quickly. quickly. Yeah, or digress, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but really, so do you remember how long from the time grandma moved in? So, so the place that she moved into was like first being built. She was like one of the first mm -hmm. uh, residents to move in. Uh, do you remember how long she was there? If I had to guess 10 years. Yeah, it was 13. 13 uh, years. And so she went from being one of the very first to being the longest resident that had ever been there. Uh, and there was something about being there and somebody coming by and knocking on the door saying, hey, Florence, come on, let's go to play dominoes. Or, hey, Florence, let's go to dinner. Uh, that social interaction was really something pretty, pretty significant for her. But if you think about 13 years, how in the world do you write that check for 13 years? Um, well, and if you know at the beginning it's going to be 13 years, that's a different, you can plan differently. But if you think at the beginning it's two or three, that's yep. a different. Yeah, absolutely. And so as we look at that, that's really what we want to talk a little bit about today is, you know, what are the things that you should think about? At what time should you be planning for that? And how in the world, if God blesses you enough to be around and which I think God for it. So uh, a lot of times people hear, and I'll take a little side note, but a lot of times people hear 13 years, oh my goodness, that's bad for her, or, you know, who'd want to be like that? But I thank God for that because in those 13 years, every one of my kids got to know their great grandma Becker. Yeah. Uh, we got to go visit her. They, I mean, it was without that, they don't. Right. Uh, and so it really was a blessing and a, and a godsend. And, but back to how do I pay for it, you know, and what does that look like? And uh, a lot of times what we find is there's a number of things that happen as people think about what if that should take place. Uh, one of them is uh, typically as we sit down with somebody in their 50s, that's when we should first start having that conversation. Uh, I'm at 45, I'm thinking in a decade, I'm not ready to start thinking about, <laughs> uh, about you know, what is my... Maybe your kids are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah they, may, they may be uh, signing me up to see me out of the house, right? Uh, but, but when I think about that, I, I'm too young at that point, it seems like. But at that age, that's the time to start thinking about what happens or what if, because then all of your options are available to you. What we find many times is it's the clients that wait until they're closer to potentially needing something like that, uh, that, that that's too long. They've lost all of the options that they had if they would have done this uh, this plan earlier. So, so the first thing that we would recommend is start looking at it around 52 to 55 years old is when you should start looking at it. What do you mean start looking at it? Like start looking at what your options are? Yeah, so, oh, great question. So not, this is talking completely on a how would I pay for it conversation. And so, uh, yeah, and, and start looking at the options for what does that plan look like? So there's a couple of ways that you can do that. We have some clients that will choose to self-insure, self-fund. Uh, basically what that means is I think I've got enough money that I'm going to hold on to it and I'll be able to pay for any care that I, that I might need. Uh, we have some clients that will choose on the opposite end of the spectrum. They'll choose to say, I'm gonna take out an insurance policy and I'm gonna shift all of the risk of my needing to do that to an insurance company. Uh, and they're gonna pick up the bill if, if something ever happens. And then we have clients that are somewhere in the middle where they say, I don't wanna do the two extremes. I don't wanna go completely alone, but I also don't wanna shift all of that let me come up with a plan that's right for me somewhere in the middle. And that's called long-term care? It is. So it's 
long-term care insurance. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about the different types of insurance because there's different types out there. Um, but really, when you start looking at it, the, the right time to plan financially for it is, is between the ages of 55 and 62. Um, now, that doesn't mean if you're outside of that range that you shouldn't like think about it. You know, if you're 65, that you're not like, darn it, I missed the boat, I, I can't do it. But just ideally, that, that is the time frame that we recommend people really start getting serious about uh, looking at those options. And so, so kind of step one is how do you pay for it? And when we think about uh, the, the obvious argument is if I take out insurance, that's another premium, right? I got a payment that I have to make. And it's kind of funny, what we see most of the time is if it's in, let's back up one second. So this type of conversation, typically you have people on one of two sides of it. You have some people that are extremely concerned about it, it's on their mind, and they're thinking, what if, and, and I'm gonna worry about this. And paying for a premium can alleviate some of that concern sure. and take a burden off. Yeah, so maybe they might sure. find it worth paying. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and so sometimes that's the case. And, and so for people that are there, then it's something we need to have a serious conversation about. But then we have other clients that are at the opposite end. They're like, you know what? I never worry about anything. I ain't worried about that. So And so there's no peace of mind in having that conversation. Mm -hmm. But we have to start in that kind of earlier age group because if there is something there, let's do it when we have a chance to. Well, what? how much of a factor is it when you look at our, our grandma did live till she was, what, 95? Mm -hmm. So did... Uh, her mom's, you know, like how much do you take that into 100%. account? 100%. Uh, a lot of times when we talk to clients, they have those kind of preconceived ideas. They think, oh yeah, my dad was healthy and lived to 94 on his own and then he passed away. Or, you know, my mom wasn't as healthy and uh, I got sick. So people have some of those preconceived thoughts around what their what longevity might look like. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of times that's what drives some of their thinking around how concerned am I about some of my some of my options. And so then when we start looking at how do you pay for all that uh, and have that conversation, what we find is the clients that are on that end of the spectrum that say, I want to self-insure. There are some of them that are perfectly good doing that, meaning I've got they've got enough money or it doesn't worry them too much and so it's, it's a good option. Other clients, what we find is we'll be talking to them 10 years later and they'll be now in their 70s potentially and uh, they maybe aren't spending money the way that they could. And so we'll be encouraging them, hey, why don't you take another trip? You know, wanting to take the kids here, you know, that kind of stuff. And they'll say, oh, no, I can't. And we'll say, well, why not? They're too got... nervous. Is that why? Yeah. They're well, too yeah. nervous. And that's what happens, right? They're like, I'm, no, I don't want to. I don't want to. And you're, we're finally like, well, wait a minute. You've got all this money sitting over here. Why don't you? They're like, oh, no, that's my long-term care money. If I ever need to go into a facility, that's the money I'm gonna use for that. Sure. Um, which is really what, so what ultimately ended up happening for them is they said, I don't wanna spend the money over here because I'm afraid it's going to hinder my ability to live my retirement. Um, and spend the money over here being like some sort of long-term care policy or something like that. And so I don't want to do that. But now we're 10 years later and really, if they would have paid that premium, they would have increased their lifestyle much more than that because it would have freed them up to, to really spend some of the assets. Enjoy their time. Exactly. Um, and so that's why we really want to sit down and say, what are the options and how can we craft a plan specifically for for you? Um, and so as we talk about that, we talk about long-term care, uh, ways to pay for it. So obviously there's the first one, we can self-fund it. 
Uh, the second one is you can choose to have a long-term care insurance policy. Uh, those are the traditional policies that have been around since, uh, I'm guessing, early 80s or so. Um, and when you hear long-term care, that's what people usually think about. They think about a policy that I'm going to pay a big premium into. Um, and like we tell everybody, the, it's a big premium. Like it's probably one of the most expensive premiums that you're going to have. Um, but if you if you ever need it, it'll be the best investment you ever made. So it kind of goes both both ways with that. Um, and so we'll tell them, you know, with those kind of policies, if you need somebody to come in and help you with your physical needs, if you need to go into an assisted living facility, if you need a full-blown nursing home kind of a kind of a thing, uh, that policy will pay some portion of that. You choose how much, you choose a dollar amount monthly, and, and that will pay for it. But what we found is that the biggest drawback to those is they're use it or lose it. If I never need care, if I never, all of a sudden, all this premium, which is the biggest premium I've ever paid in my life, all of a sudden it's gone. And uh, that's a tough decision. Oh, it's hugely tough. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, and but then, and so then, what what's happened is the insurance companies have come out now with uh, what are called combination policies. So what a combination policy does is it's actually based. I, I consider it a chassis. So uh, you drive a Subaru, right? So that Subaru has a chassis. That chassis can support the car that you drive, or it could support uh, the wagon. Uh, it's all built on the same what they call chassis. Uh, and so that chassis has the the way that the wheels are and all that stuff. And then they just put the body on on top of it. And so it's kind of similar to that in the way that they've designed these combination policies. They start with a life insurance policy, so that's the chassis, if you will. But then from there, they add things to it. So they add a long-term care provision to that. To that policy so now i have long-term care coverage it still covers me if i'm at home still covers me if i need assisted living still covers me if i need a nursing home but if i never use that policy i have a death benefit that kind of reimburses all those premiums okay. into the back into my to my family um, so there's a lot of options there today a lot of times uh, as people think about it, it can be kind of overwhelming it's nothing anybody ever wants to talk about um, but it shouldn't be overwhelming because we can make it pretty simple and, and straightforward. And, and right now, when you look at what, why is that something we'd want to talk about, in our opinion, the, the kind of what happens when I'm no longer able to stay in my home, that is probably going to be the number one issue facing retirees going forward. Uh, science has figured out how to get us to live a very long time. It's not always the greatest uh, time or not always the most independent and if there's anything that could wipe out your investments or your savings I mean that's it's a pretty big deal uh, yeah, what do they say like end of life you spend like what like three quarters of all the money you spend in your whole life you spend it in the last yeah bit of your life handful of years yeah. that's right yeah and, and what we find a lot of times is uh, for our clients who have not planned then their kids are kind of left saying, well, what do we do? And how do we, and all of a sudden kids are taking on some of those burdens and doing for mom and dad, which almost puts us back to where grandma was. Yes. And, and mom and dad are saying, this is way worse, not what I really wanted. Uh, but if we come up with a plan and there's a way to, it's already been kind of thought through, now the kids just step in and say, okay, we're gonna. And so that's what you kind of help your clients to determine right like you can help them navigate which of these three options make 
the most sense. Absolutely. And they don't have to do this research on their own and come in and say, hey, can you set this up? You really help them to figure that out. For sure. Uh, yeah, no, thanks for making it clear. Because the, and the way that it works is it's not this is the right way. It's let's look at what you have going on, what you would like to have done, uh, where your investments are, and then let's, let's design it to fit into your overall plan rather than really being uh, just cross my fingers and hold or it works one out. piece of the puzzle. You need to look at everything. The whole thing. Sure. That's right. That's right. So yeah, so it's not, not the funnest or happiest of topics sometimes, but, but it's probably the biggest thing that's going to face retirees in our opinion, uh, aside from you know outliving their money, uh, one of the ways that they're going to do that is if something comes up well, there. It doesn't sound fun and exciting, but we're here at Smith Crossing and we're sitting in their dining room and it literally, it feels like a restaurant and there is the pub that I can see from here. Um, so there are different types of retirement oh, facilities 100%. like that there's a spectrum. It can be nice still. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, it's not like a nursing home that you think of in your mind. You know, it's, there's so many different options 100% yeah and you probably uh, probably picking up all the activity that's going on outside the dining room yeah, there's, you've there's got a lot of action and bustle yep. still which is which is nice yeah yeah so area. yeah for sure yeah the I remember when I was a kid um, you probably did too so we went to Lutheran school and uh, we always did from like first grade through probably through sixth or seventh grade we always went and sang at the nursing home yeah. uh, and in those type, those days, you went when we went. It was a nursing home. Yeah. It was not what is out there today. And so, to your point, it could seem like it's not a lot of fun. But go back to it's kind of like a cruise yeah. where the the dining room is here. They've got happy hours. They've got the all the bus that shows up to take you to the store. If or you want to, you, that's right. Take, take you to the, the theater. Or, yeah. yeah. Yep. So, so thanks for watching this episode of the Retirement Readiness Podcast. Uh, here at Prairie View, we hope to help you live your legacy with confidence. If you found any of this valuable, please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel, and we'll see you again soon.